Bangor Worldwide has been promoting and supporting World Mission for over 85 years. Our podcasts are free of charge. You can find out more about us at www.worldwidemission.org. We hope you enjoy this talk. My normal job has to do with preaching. And so when I have the opportunity to give a presentation such as this, which will be talking about the, the work in Zambia, uh, sometimes it ends up sounding like preaching. <laughs> and please, if that happens, keep reminding yourself that uh, this is not a sermon. What I'll do, oh, well, first of all, uh, just an interesting contrast here. Uh, Neil came dressed like an African. <laughs> yeah, I don't need to tell you how I've come dressed. I, uh, <coughs> I just wish I had thought about it earlier. Okay. <laughs> But it's still good because uh, he, he's given his presentation from uh, the perspective of a missionary having come to, to Africa and seen things from there. And then what I'm doing now is giving a slightly different perspective from an indigenous leader crossing the ocean and coming over here and saying a few things to you. Uh, I'll quickly give a bit of a background on Zambia. And then I will say a few things about our own church planting work back home, since this is uh, a missions conference. And then at the end, I hope to draw your attention to uh, a few areas that you can think about, pray for, and do something about. All right, so good. The first is where Zambia is. Uh, We are just next to... Uh, Malawi. Malawi is on our eastern border. We are totally landlocked, like Malawi itself is. Uh, we have about eight countries around us. Uh, one is French-speaking, two are Portuguese, and the rest are English-speaking. I won't spend much time there. I just want to give a quick idea about Zambia. There is the area that it covers, 750,000 square kilometers. Independence from Great Britain was in 1964, and as I speak, I'll be covering the period before and after. Uh, The government, like in Malawi, is democratically elected in the 50-plus years. We've now had about five to six presidents. And uh, the main language is English, uh, although Bemba and Nyanja are also spoken. We have slightly over 70 dialects, but uh, like myself, I operate in all those three, and consequently I can speak to almost anyone across the country. I've talked about the major uh, killer diseases, and our brother Neil mentioned them among the ones that he did. There's HIV, AIDS, and malaria. Uh, The life expectancy, I just picked it up from World Health Organization, and then uh, also the current inflation, I picked it up from Zambian Statistical Office, 
and then uh, the percentage of Christians, I picked it up from Operation World. Uh, though I, I modified the evangelicals a little, they had 25%. Uh, I couldn't quite swallow that, so I brought it down to 15 Maybe I'm just a little more pessimistic. Um, the, the first person who brought the Christian faith into our corner of the world uh, was, was David Livingstone, who I mentioned this morning, for those of you who are here, basically opened up um, Central Africa to the rest of the world as an explorer, but at the same time uh, as a missionary. And I know Neil mentioned him in passing as well. Um, I, I quickly mentioned it as well this morning that um, Livingstone is, is still very highly regarded by the indigenous people in Central Africa and Zambia in, in, to be more specific. Uh, when we gained our independence in 1964, quite a number of our major cities were named after major cities um, around the United Kingdom. And that was completely changed in 1964, but one, there's only one city that still has um, a foreign name, and that is Livingstone, which is in the southern part of Zambia. And that's primarily because of the respect that is, he, he, he is the esteem that the Zambian people still give to him. And I also mentioned this morning that uh, at the 100th anniversary of his death, which was in 1973, right across the country in different football stadiums, uh, interdenominational worship services were held in honor of him. Uh, the main thing I remember is that I got a free T-shirt with David Livingstone on it as a young boy in those days. Uh, at the end of the 18th century, rather 19th century going into the 20th century, uh, the, the missionary bodies that were working within what is now called Zambia agreed on what is called a committee arrangement. And basically, it meant that they, were, they agreed to concentrate on different tribal groups for, their, for the purpose of uh, learning the language, um, turning that language into a written language, preparing the scriptures specifically for that language, and then just the, the normal work of evangelism and uh, church planting and so on. So um, that map that I have there uh, shows different tribal groups across Zambia, and you have different denominations concentrating on the various tribes. For instance, on the extreme east, um, you have the, the Dutch Reformed Church that came in from South Africa, and they had some agreement with the Presbyterians so that the Presbyterians concentrated on Malawi, and then the Dutch Reformed Church concentrated on, uh, on Zambia. And then that top yellow section uh, was particularly concentrated on by the missionary organization that sent out David Livingstone. Uh, in the south, that's where you have the Pilgrim Wesleyan, and uh, you also have the, the Brethren in Christ. 
and that green section somewhere at the top there on the west, together with the orange, you have the, um, the Christian missions to many lands and also the, um, I think it was called the Africa Evangelical Fellowship and so on. So they, they were able to divide out the country. The bottom part of the yellow is where the Baptists finally settled. It was called Lumberland in those days, and it was the, uh, the, the final last tribe that nobody, no missionary organization had yet uh, gone to. And that's where, um, I think let me go to the next one here. Yes, that's where Arthur Phillips and uh, his friend Henry Masters uh, went to start the first Baptist mission. Um, Arthur Phillips, as I mentioned this morning, was set apart for uh, missions work by Charles Haddon Spurgeon uh, at the Metropolitan Tabernacle. Uh, this picture was long, long after that. He had even married and uh, um, gone back to Zambia with his wife. He died in the 1950s, and a, build, a church building there is named after him. I'm going back one step because um, apart from the preaching of the gospel, the, the missionaries also largely were involved in uh, education and health. And our brother Neil has brought in the health aspect pretty well uh, this, this uh, evening. But it's, it's worth mentioning therefore that the, the ministry was clearly holistic and what you have now as the Zambian nation, and I suppose Malawi as well, is really a product of what uh, missionaries have done over the years. And um, uh, now the phrase has changed from mission schools to church schools and from mission hospitals to church hospitals. But we still don't lose the uh, sight of the history that we have. Uh, again, earlier I talked about um, Olive Dock. Um, my, my PhD, in fact, is on her. She was uh, born uh, in, in the UK, um, got converted in New Zealand, uh, had God's call to the ministry to missions work in um, uh, South Africa, and then at the age of 25 uh, moved to... Uh, what is now the Kwa Belt to, to, to join her brother Clement and uh, up to now holds the, the gold medal, if we could use that term, uh, or the world record uh, as the longest serving Baptist missionary. Um, with her, I pictured two of Zambia's first two Baptist pastors. Uh, one is Paul Kasonga. Um, he is on the left, and then the other is Anasi. Uh, my PhD studies were actually about Olive Dock and Paul Kasonga. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a story worth reading. Uh, thankfully, Langham Literature has since produced it as a book, and if you want to get a copy, uh, you just have to Google uh, those two names and add my name to it. And... Uh, you probably have, have the book there. But I personally am convinced that her biography can be put 
side by side with that of William Carey, David Livingston, and so on. Uh, it's, it's an extraordinary uh, testimony. Um, but let's go on. I was warning someone today that if I begin talking about her, we can continue until tomorrow. 1964 was uh, independence, and um, there was the handing over of political power to Zambians, and then soon after that was also the handing over of the various denominational instruments to uh, Zambians as well. It's a positive thing, but it also had its negatives, and I just want to quickly touch on that because it says a lot about the challenges we are in now and something you need to be praying about. You remember the committee arrangement. It centered on different tribal groups. It made a lot of sense then because it was the most efficient way to ensure that the Christian faith is brought into the language of the people and consequently passed on to them. What it inadvertently did is to make different denominations tribal. So if you are a particular tribe, this is your church. If you are of another tribe, that's your church. And when urbanization began to happen, a slide I'll come to in a moment, all they would do is name a road, church road, and then the different denominations will put their churches one against, next to the other. And if this is your tribe, then that's your church. And, and so on and so forth. Uh, the, the aspect of we are of this denomination because this is what we believe was largely lost. Not deliberately, but simply because the emphasis shifted, especially at this point. And so it became, this is our church, which is very sad because what it meant is that evangelism in terms of sharing the gospel and wanting to see individuals repent, believe, and consequently come into the life of the church was largely bypassed. And it now became rather, what's your surname? Because the surname indicates which tribe you belong to and consequently which church you ought to be in. Invariably, it has weakened the church uh, over the years, although the numbers are high. I've spoken about urbanization, which um, has its, its positives because of the fact that people are able to, to move into cities and take advantage of uh, the latest technology, the latest comforts, uh, education, and so on and so forth. Um, but it also has had its, its negatives. And negatives, first of all, uh, socially, because people have been dislocated from their family context, and usually people move into the cities even now, uh, primarily because of the thought that that's where you're going to have a better life. But often they find themselves in uh, very poor residential areas where there's no running water, 
no flushable toilets. Uh, usually there is electricity. Um, you, you don't have any uh, proper sewer systems. Uh, there's, uh, because of the congestion there, there's a lot of crime as well, a lot of drunkenness, and those tend to be the places where uh, there is a lot of prostitution as well because individuals do not have the means by which to, uh, to survive. So in a town like Lusaka, that, that picture that you're seeing there can be quite misleading. Uh, that's in our city center, well, almost in our city center. But uh, you just have to go less than five miles in one direction or the other before you hit um, some of these areas that are uh, extremely poor and with a, a very high uh, crime rates. It's, it's an area um, of, of concern for, for churches because you, you, you want to, to minister in such places. And yet at the same time, the, you, you need to talk about the economic situation. There's an area very, very close to, to here where our church began its very first church plant. It's, it's an area that is called by a, a person from the, this part of the world, and it's called John Lane. And uh, it's because that's where, when he was constructing in our part of the world, that's where his workers, uh, the blue-collar guys, were, uh, were staying. And as we're doing outreach work there, I remember one day uh, one of the young ladies coming back, and she was crying, and she had no shoes on. I remember asking her the question, uh, she came into our church bus, I asked her what the problem was, whether she had been beaten, and she, she kept crying for quite some time. And when she, um, she sobered up, she said to me, uh, as I was sharing the gospel with this lady, this lady just said to me, you can talk like that because you have everything you need. Look at you. And then she said, look at your feet and look at mine. She said, if I stop brewing this illicit alcohol, how will I feed these children? If I stop my prostitution, how will I feed these children? And this girl said, I, I really had no answer for her except to take off my shoes and give them to her. And then she said, my heart was totally broken because I'm going to these people claiming I've got good news when they are now giving me the difficult situation in which they are. I'm, I'm hopeless, I'm helpless. And so what we did for a while was to, to run a, a tailoring um, training. We had a number of the ladies in our church going out there regularly teaching, and then when they finished the course, our members would uh, donate sewing machines and a bit of money to, to help these uh, women to, to run their own uh, business. But that's the effect of urbanization. On the other hand, 
Lusaka has become the maker, M-E-C-C-A, of tertiary education. And so we have a lot of young adults coming in from right across the country in order to come and gain education. It's a positive because what it means is that we have a lot of these young adults at our doorstep, but it's also a negative because many of them come into the city and they don't have places to stay, they don't know how to survive, and in the process really destroy their lives. I'll quickly go past that, simply mentioning the fact that by and large, uh, the churches within the country are under different mother bodies. I think it happens here as well in, in the UK. Although missions work has been in our part of the world for a number of years, it really wasn't until um, the, the middle of the last century that actual English-speaking churches uh, began. They, they're still denominational, but the, the major strength is, especially in the cities, is that they slowly begin to cut across the tribal divide. I'm saying slowly because for a person like me, I can go into an English-speaking church and once I know the names of the elders, I tend to already read that, okay, we may be speaking English here, but we're still really one tribe uh, that still has a, a stranglehold. On, on the church. But there still is a growing openness, and by and by we're seeing a lot more of an integration taking place within the various churches. Another avenue that's been a great help for evangelicalism has really been the Scripture Union, the Nessus Christian Fellowship, and the Zambia Fellowship of Evangelical Students. These organizations have, have really done a lot in sharing the gospel, in providing regular Bible studies in the various institutions of learning. And this has been a great help in just fostering a, a Bible-centeredness um, and evangelistic emphasis in the lives of many young people. And I can mention many that are currently in in the various strata of uh, government and business across Zambia that would tell me, and if you were to ask, would even tell you that that's the, they, came first to, uh, they first came to faith in Christ through this. Well, like most parts of uh, the world, the, the Pentecostals uh, swept through um, from, uh, from the 1970s uh, onwards and quick on their heels has been uh, the charismatic movement and I'd like to add the extreme charismatic movement. Um, Neil mentioned something of this. Um, the, the witch doctor phenomena in the village has simply crossed over changed titles, and is now very much what church is all about. It's exactly the same thing 
except now, instead of the blood of a, uh, a chicken, it's now the blood of Jesus in terms of words. But the concept is essentially the same. And it's changing the landscape of uh, evangelicalism across Africa and I'll safely say across Zambia. When we'll be coming to the issue of praying, that's one area I'd really want you to pray about. That we may once again have true biblical teaching in the churches and true gospel preaching in the churches. Transforming lives and not what we had earlier on as a quick fix. Yes. Islam. For many years, Islam in Zambia was largely limited to the Asian population. We, we used to see the buildings, but we hardly knew anyone who uh, had anything to do uh, with worshipping there who would have been an actual fellow Zambian. Very, very few. But I'll safely say that in the last 20 years, maybe a little more, there has been a deliberate effort to grow uh, the Muslim population by putting up schools and hospitals. And if you are a Muslim, it's free. In fact, you even get free food and clothing to go home with. If you are not, you pay. Now, you can imagine what that does. It's caused a lot of individuals out of financial desperation to then um, become Muslims, at least on the outside. And the number of them, because once you're in the schools for 7 to 12 years, uh, you, you tend to pick up quite a lot. Um, it's, it's still not the extremism that tends to mature into terrorism, uh, but who knows where it's going. Um, so that's something else to pray about. Um, religious TV and radio is, is currently, for instance, TBN was the only one for a number of years now. Uh, I think it's closed down recently, or I'm just out of tune. Uh, but in terms of uh, radio, we have a more conservative um, Pentecostal radio station. In fact, I preach there uh, every, every Saturday. And it's genuine concern among them that we might have the true gospel. I belong to uh, what you'd call uh, Reformed Baptists, if you are more American, or Grace Baptist, if you are uh, in the UK. And um, it's an entirely indigenous movement uh, going back to the mid-1980s. There, there wasn't a single church uh, that would identify itself in Zambia as Reformed Baptist. Uh, but um, as we get to the present moment, uh, we have roughly 35 churches scattered around the country. 
and uh, the church planting work has also begun to spill across into neighboring countries. Uh, I can think in terms of Namibia, uh, Botswana, uh, Zimbabwe, Malawi, um, and uh, we go further into the north as far as uh, Sierra Leone. Um, I, as I come to the close, I will say one more thing that will necessitate your uh, prayers about this, uh, but that's at least something that I'm involved in. And then finally, um, it has been said during this conference that uh, some of your financial support will go towards um, our youth work and more specifically our youth camp. This is the our church's youth camp as at December 2013. And I'm sure you can see the level of work that was on the hands of our youth workers. Uh, we've since had to split that, conference, that camp into two, with the younger ones being in one camp and the older ones being in another. Uh, they're not all our church members, otherwise we need a stadium to, to, to have all these young people with us. But it's, it's uh, a, a camp that's just be, been growing in terms of popularity among the young people. Uh, you won't believe it, but the theme for this year, when uh, these children came out in these numbers, was the final judgment. That was, that's what the theme was. And it was in the brochures and sent out. The final judgment. And they came. But it's putting the gospel in young hearts and praying that as they come to the Lord early, they would grow up to serve him with all their might. Well, I have but a minute or two, so let me quickly walk through. Um, I think that's the, that was the last picture. Please pray for the nominalism and syncretism that still is largely in the churches. And I think part of it is because we're still thinking tribal. This is our church as a particular tribe. And so our culture is what is being thrown into the context of the church instead of thinking biblically and making the scriptures critique our culture. So please pray for that. And then also remember... Uh, uh, one of the challenges that we have in the Zambian church, and I think it's true about Malawi and elsewhere, is the concept that missions is from them to us, rather than the fact that, in fact, it also ought to be about us to the rest of the world. And it's, it's a major challenge. Our own church uh, has an annual missions conference and the first few years, you could see the, the level of struggle that we're having to just convince our own people that forget about those that brought the gospel here. The baton has been passed on to us. And we need to throw our work, our weight rather, into the work of uh, missions. Uh, however, fast forward. Uh, a good 10 to 20 years now, 
Um, the, the first church plant we did was around about 1994. Uh, so talking about a good 20 years later, uh, it, it's good to see the the way in which the 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 church is responding to the work of mission, not only in terms of prayer, but also financial giving, and then also going to, to do God's work there. And then thirdly, it, it's good to realize that the church is there in Africa. The church is there in Zambia. However, partnerships must still continue because we are still one body, the body of Christ, and, and God gives us severally and differently. And therefore, even as you are here at the missions conference, it's worth continuing to think in terms of how best to, to partner with what is taking place uh, back, back home um, in, in Zambia, in Africa, in Malawi, and so on. And especially in, in specialized areas. And that's, why, that's where conversation needs to continue all the time. Because it, we, we are in a phase of, of uh, partnership. And if I was to speak about one area, it's definitely leadership training. That has to continue, and we really still have a lot of challenges there. There are many other areas, but certainly leadership training I would want to quickly mention. I'm told that there is an exhibition hall, and I think it will be in order for as many of us as possible to, to find our way there and, and talk to the various mission agencies and, and see how, as individuals, we could partner, we could support, we could, uh, through them, seek to, to uh, be a blessing to the church, not only in Zambia and Malawi and Africa, but in different parts of the world. Because that's the phase we are in. It's, it's a period of partnership. And therefore, let me close with the words from, um, first, rather from Philippians and chapter 1. Famous words about partnership in the gospel from the Apostle Paul. He says there in Philippians 1 verse 3, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. Always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy. And then verse 5, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. What a blessing it is to realize that the words of the Apostle Paul could be realized even today and ought to be realized today as you all partner with the church in Africa. Most of it being a fruit of the labors of some of you in here, and then for some of you, it's your parents and your grandparents. And to take up that button now and say, let me also play my role in partnership with the brethren that the Holy Spirit has regenerated on the African soil. Amen. Thank you. We trust you've enjoyed this podcast. If you'd like to make a donation to support the work of Bangor Worldwide, please visit www.worldwidemission.org slash donate.